0: Thank you for joining me on YRF Podcast. I'm honored you're spending this time with me and my guests. You know, my guest stories have been shared over and over across the globe, from the U.S. to Europe to Africa, so many places in between. Stories of fans gaining perspective and strength from others sharing their truth. And it's really what this is all about. It's taken me years to be honest about my path, where it's been, how it's changed me, and where it's going to lead me. Uh, Not easy to face, and I have a long way to go. But already I have seen remarkable benefits for myself and my guests saying it how it is. I encourage all of my listeners to do the same. Please keep sharing and keep sharing this podcast. My guest today, what can I say? Wise beyond his years, a huge heart, aware of so many aspects outside of his life sphere. It blew me away. was far from his maturity at his age, nowhere near the selflessness and understanding he demonstrates with his actions. Tyler started HopeFest in Seattle when he was in high school. It's a 501c that humanizes those who are often cast as societies wasted. Please enjoy my conversation with Tyler Zangaglia.
1: I guess it really started when I was around 15 years old in eighth grade and I'd always been involved middle school leadership and I always enjoyed it because it was just a way to get involved it was something bigger than myself but in middle school it was a lot of just poster making it wasn't really real leadership and that was kind of something that I really felt the desire to really find and and just become a part of a bigger community and and do something bigger than myself and um, the opportunity kind of presented itself when I volunteered at a local community service event uh, a friend was going to go volunteer at this event that supported people in homelessness and experiencing poverty and um, said, hey, do you want to come? I was like, all right, sure, I'll go. <laughs> um, wanted to check it out and went down with him. And and I had no clue kind of just the direction it would really put my life. in it move Change you? A lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just kind of in, in the short time I was there, I saw so many things that I didn't really expect to that I hadn't really seen before. You know, being a 15-year-old and growing up in a suburb outside of Seattle, I hadn 't really seen a lot of the issues that were existent just twenty minutes away from my hometown. You know when I walked outside every day i didn 't see the poverty and homelessness that exists in downtown seattle it 's a very very different painted picture but and so the picture that was painted for me was you know I was so fortunate and lucky to i 've always been lucky to, to be there, but it 's not accurate of what our community really faces because just twenty minutes away it 's a completely different story and, and there 's our neighbors and people who are suffering and, and in need. Um, and so going down there and really seeing firsthand people who are struggling and at this service event and people who are receiving these services and, you know, hadn't had a haircut in a year and, um, needed basic hygiene supplies and groceries and clothing. Wow. You know, this is something that's in my community and, and just really opened my eyes and
0: my worldview a little bit to what was really out there. And the basic fundamentals of life, right? Getting a haircut, being able to brush your teeth with fresh water. Uh, you know, taking a shower, exactly. you know, those yeah. are the obvious ones too, but also like getting your teeth cleaned and, um, have deodorant at your disposal at all times. Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And you know, you don't realize that those things are so necessary until you don't have them or until you have a firsthand conversation with someone who doesn't have them. And it really hits you, the things that you take for granted. And that was just one of the most impactful parts of that, of that first day.
0: So, you know, you probably wouldn't have gotten involved at all, had you not had this first experience right and to to you you raise a good point you don't think about it until you meet somebody and actually talk to somebody about it that's usually how uh, racism is is eradicated right because you're not really exposed to a certain race and you have all these predisposed notions of who they are and all these clichés and things you've seen on on, on movies and then and then you go and and you meet somebody uh, that's of a different ethnicity than you like, oh, shit, that actually, (laughs) all all that can be dispelled, all my ideas uh, and my prejudice is dispelled in a matter of moments when you talk to somebody with real genuine purpose. I don't know where you fell within the social class economically or whatnot, middle, upper class.
1: Little class. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's okay. To, it's 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 not 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 shameful to say upper class. <laughs> I know it's kind of hard to say at times, but it's really important to understand the disparity between the way you grew up and then the way these the majority of homeless had in in Seattle and how close you were in proximity. Exactly. Exactly. 20 freaking minutes and they're they're living on the street and you live in suburbia in a beautiful town and a nice house and your parents are together.
1: Yeah. And sometimes it's, it's so close that you don't see it. I mean, it, there are peers that we had and friends that I had in high school who had experienced homelessness before. And oh, so wow. many people just never knew that because the picture you see every day is this nice middle upper class school and community. And it's amazing, incredible place to be. And I love it, but it that's still there and exists. And just mm. because that's what you see doesn't mean that there isn't a lot more kind of beneath the surface. And, you know, that was part of kind of what started everything for me too, was a lot of um, my peers, I found myself with my eyes open and I was like, I want to help open other people's eyes as well. We all haven't really seen this. We all really don't understand that the depth of the need that's there and how complex this issue is. And so that's kind of why I I also with my work put such an emphasis on it being youth led and youth run and making it all done through youth because I want to give people that same experience I had with really Mm. seeing the world for what it is and, and our community.
0: Isn't that don't you think that's the answer? And we'll talk about why, why we think uh, where homelessness stems from, of course, and and everyone's got their own opinion. We talked a little bit about this off mic, depending on what side of the fence you're on, whether the more conservative or, um, the more liberal depends on where you feel like this is, uh, this all generates from more and more. We're finding that intervention is far more effective when youth are involved. I almost feel like the more elderly, the more adult, more bias that we take into something, the more apt we are to screw something up. Mm -hmm. So it is up to the youth (laughs) and not just the ones that are helping, but the ones that are receiving help and seeing that and understanding that what it's like to aid somebody in that social context how important that is how impactful i watched the video and we'll post a link on it uh, on this podcast of course but uh, your hope fest 2019 and to, like it's so joyous to watch these kids get bicycles and get dental care and these these adults getting haircuts and and that's one day, right? And they just feel like a normal person. I think you had like a, a book bus there or something. They were giving out library yeah, books. And yeah. I mean, that's just normal stuff that yeah, like, wow, I feel normal for one day. Of course, there's 364 other days <laughs> where they exactly. need to adapt and, and really uh, you know try to survive. But if we can get the younger ones in there to interject and help the younger homeless, uh, that might even... Uh, change their path in in a way.
1: Absolutely. And I think you the the point you hit there is exactly what is at the center of our work, which is giving people, you know, humanizing people and and When you get real about it, a bag of groceries runs out. You know, a haircut is great, but someone's gonna need a haircut again. You know, all all that stuff is awesome, and it's great to pack it all into a single day and make people feel like they're they're human, that they have a community that cares about them. But what's more important is giving them something lasting. And for us, what that is is a sense of hope. You know, we want to have people comment and leave not just with a bag of groceries, but going wow, like there's a ton of people here that care about me. I'm, I'm supported. I'm loved in my community and feeling humanized. And we do, we put a, a lot of emphasis on the little things in our work to try and make that happen from, you know, hundreds of positive posters, you know, hanging those around the facility just with inspirational quotes. We do over 700 handwritten um, notes that we hide in all of our family's grocery bags. Every family opens up their groceries at home and gets a little handwritten oh, note. Oh, that's great. We do the um, same thing with bookmarks and Um, Little stickers around the facility and everything from dressed up characters, like our drama club from our high school will come and interact with the kids. (laughs) They'll dress up and take pictures. And it's all those little things that truly you you can get so caught up. And I found myself doing this in the number of people and the quantities of things we give away. And that's all great, but it's about the little things that make people feel humanized and give people a sense of hope and give them the opportunity to walk away knowing that they're cared about and loved.
0: And that's what's most important. Does the sheer number of homelessness overwhelm you? You know,
1: it's it kind of always has, just because it's always such a big issue. You know, it's it's always something that my mind hasn't been able to grasp. And, you know, in Seattle, the, the homelessness is um, the third largest among, you know, counties in the U.S., you know, so behind the L.A. area and New York, yeah. it's yeah. Seattle, and it's yeah. it's such a crazy issue, and there's so many other facets of it besides just not having a shelter, but... The mental health issues and drugs and all these, you know, there's so many different facets to it. So it's, it's always a bit overwhelming, yeah. but it's, it comes back to the idea of just making people feel human. It's, yeah. it's everyone doing their part.
0: We'll get to the mental health part and the, and the drug abuse for sure. I'm sure there are people out there that believe you are perpetuating the problem. Hmm. Do you ever get that?
1: Yeah. You know, we, the negative feedback is, what i think sometimes the most important feedback you know good point because absolutely you know it, it you can think it's it's perpetuating the problem giving what people would say as handouts you know and it's all about the approach i think and and you gotta meet people where they're at it's kind of a, the way that we think about it you know and i've um been so grateful to have so many good leadership educational opportunities in high school and here at gonzaga like learning about different types of leadership and One of the types of leadership that I do my best to to live out through my work is, you know, serving at eye level. So meeting people where they're at, not serving as someone above them, being a higher authority. I'm better than you. So I'm going to help you out. No, like meeting people where they're at, at eye level. And doing that means trying to understand what their situation is from how they live it out every day, rather than saying, you know, someone from the outside going, oh, you're just giving handouts. Like, like, no, we're, we're giving what people need. And at the same time, we are connecting people with resources. So at our event, we have several different agencies and nonprofits or organizations who work to connect with people and give them support year round. And um, so, yeah, you know, while there's definitely different ways to think about it, the the approach we take is meeting people where they're at.
0: Oh, that's great!
1: Giving people what they what they truly truly need and giving them the chance to go. You know, here's how you can continue bettering yourself
0: outside of this. That's big. It could probably backfire if, um, yeah, you don't meet them at eye level and they see you coming in as better than talking down to them and and make them feel less than it's not it's not absolutely it's not yeah. going to help uh, uh further your cause by any means exactly you're further yeah. separating you from them which is what many believe is the big problem right the exactly. disparity between those yeah. that are making it and those that aren't there's not yeah. a lot of in between absolutely yeah. oh man um no services you touched on are so so important many Countries are are going this route in that instead of um, going the incarceration liver let die type deal, uh, you're on your own. There's more uh, more support when it comes to to rehabilitation, you know, drug and alcohol, of course, and then uh, mental health. Uh, because th- those, I believe, um, I mean, scientifically, we could even uh, say that there's proof that that's not something that's within their purview to fix. It's not something they have. Total control over, right? So whose responsibility is it? At what cost is it is there (laughs) for us to just let them be on their own and do their own thing without any handouts? That still costs us, whether you want to look at it from a very pragmatic standpoint of view. It costs us a lot of money when we don't help somebody because uh, there's the law that's involved. Then there's the health care, When they go into the hospital, they must be treated because of HIPAA laws and the Hippocratic Oath, of course. And that money has to come from somewhere and repeat offenders. Instead, why don't we focus our money and, and, and funnel it into more of a rehabilitative state and and, and focus on getting these, uh, these people the resources that they need so they can sustain, help them change their environment. One of my favorite things I do every year is speak at the juvenile detention center. These kids, man, oh my gosh. I mean, they're coming from impoverished communities, of course. Some of the most violent uh, grotesque stories that you could hear f- f- from a child growing growing into adulthood with that environment, and here they are in juvenile detention in, in a jail so much so that you know that is their reality, mm-hmm. and their environment is cinder block walls and and guards are their only role models <laughs> within the time that they're there sometimes they're there for six months sometimes all the way up to two years. I talked to them about environment and that they now know what it takes to be within this environment. They have a leg up on much of society that hasn't experienced being in juvenile detention or hasn't experienced abusive behavior at home or drug abuse. They now understand um, what got them there in the first place and then how to avoid that environment and change their environment for the better. It always comes across as as real positive and I look out at all the inmates, they're all smiling and they've got this uh, gleam in their eye like this is going to happen. Like, I don't, I'm never coming back here again, which as we know, the recidivism rate is so, so damn high. Um, most of them, um, will have some encounter with the law, but they still have a chance to really make a change. They're not going to do it on their own. And they need support and they need people like yourself, uh, more so. Now let's talk about your generation. You're the spearhead of a movement it's a tiny one, right? In comparison to the rest of the world and the, re- the big cities that have a, a, a lot of poverty, but you're spearheading something. You in integrating your fellow generation, your fellow classmates, I mean, how is that being received? How are they getting involved in How are they doing more? Is it changing their trajectory?
1: To give them that Chance to have a one on one conversation with someone who's experiencing homelessness or in poverty that right there that opportunity is is not something that you know a lot of people a lot of kids don't get to have every day or you know have never had before when they volunteer with us and so giving them that chance I think is the most important thing in opening their eyes it's it's very much a type of service that's based on hands on ex- unique experiences and I personally am a, a, a firm believer in the idea that Experiences define who we are throughout our entire life. Our experiences truly shape us, and so giving my friends and my peers the opportunity to have those that experience, I hope gives them the, the chance to challenge what their worldview is, and maybe find within them themselves that they want to do their part or have a role in um, making a difference and, and giving it back.
0: Good. That's that's I, that's obviously so critical. I really think that focusing on policy. And the politicians that would push agendas that focus towards helping alleviate some of the strife of these people is important. And that's something that we can do passively. If we don't want to, if we don't feel comfortable going down to the homeless shelter and handing out bags of groceries or even going down to donate clothes, at least we could do that, Mm. right? We could either be very direct about it. We could deflect, have somebody else do it. Or we can be distracted <laughs> and not do anything. And those are, those are all three important decisions that we all kind of make right now dealing with a real problem. If you don't believe it's a problem, then you're, you're part of the problem. Because you're certainly not part of the solution, <laughs> and it doesn't matter if you're passive. I, I, you know, you can't blame people for being like, you know what, fuck you. You're not going down and passing out uh, food at the soup kitchen. You're not doing enough. No, 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 no. That's not how it should go down.
1: <laughs> not really the approach, <laughs> right? No, it's
0: not because then you're dis- you're dissuading anyone from doing any 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 help, right? Um, and any help is better than none for sure. And just as you say, maybe someone that's contributing in, in, a, in a small manner will be touched by uh, someone that's homeless or, you know, chances are what one of eight people have, have some sort of poverty or, you know, adverse childhood experience that throws them into life disarray that could look like poverty. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, I think it's important that we all are exposed to it in some way, shape or form, whether it's a tiny bit or we just throw ourselves into the fire like you have. You're so right. Like you
1: said, it it's Everyone can, can do it in their own way. You know, the way that you have an impact on the world is through what you're passionate about, you know, mm. living out what, what you find a calling in yourself to do. And the more we can have, you know, my generation and, and youth and younger people using their passions to make a difference, that's, mm-hmm. that's ultimately the way that will have the biggest impact. It's not like you said, forcing everyone to go down to the soup kitchen. That is, you know, that's not going to do anything besides <laughs> make people unhappy about it, you know, <laughs> right. but telling people, Hey, you know, you can use whatever you're passionate about and do something to make the lives of people better. No matter, yeah. no matter what it is, if you're passionate about music, you know, you can use that skill or mm. art or anything, no matter what your passion is, you will make the world a better place. And I I personally am a believer that we all have a responsibility to make the lives of those in need a little bit better using our passions. And
0: and there's also a flip side to that. You can actually make the world a better place by using whatever it is that you see may help your world. So say there's someone that's extremely money-driven and is all about bottom line and could care less about whether people are on the street or not right? They've got other things. It would only behoove them to like, hey, uh, how can, you know, if I'm in healthcare, how can I better my bottom line by doing what's strategically, fiscally viable and right to make that bottom line flourish, which in turn would probably help people. And if that's their mode of operandi, then great, do it. (laughs) You know, I don't want to judge either your motive for helping somebody. I love the passion that, that comes from you. I, uh, I admire the hell out of you, particularly when you you've been doing this for a better part of, uh, you know, quarter of your life <laughs> as, as young as, as young as you are. Uh, but at the same time, that's a substantial amount of time. And I know that you won't be, um, yeah, th- this won't be a fleeting endeavor for you. I believe that it's something that's lifelong for you. Oh, thanks. Yeah, man. So much.
1: I have really just enjoyed the experience of starting something from the ground up, not just that, but working with my best friends to do it. You know, none of the stuff could have been done by myself, you know, none of it. So I think, the chance to like build something from the bottom, be creative and work with people you love to do it and do it to address either an issue you're passionate about or make the world a better place in some way. Yeah. Um, has been what I've absolutely fallen in love with. I would love to start my own business one day or start another nonprofit. I, I don't know what that would look like, but I just know the chance to be creative and, um, you know,
0: work with others to get out of your <laughs> dog. <laughs> so, so, um, this is a product of <laughs> COVID 19. Is we're doing this from home and there's dogs everywhere. My wife, God, love Gus. my son, <laughs> Gus is here. We'll post a picture of him on social media. I was fortunate enough to speak with Sarah Yurdin, Marketing and Communications Director at Catholic Charities Eastern Washington. You know, this organization helps the homeless with shelter, food, medical, mental health services, but most of all, it humanizes its clientele. I asked how the current pandemic is affecting her clients, and she said the homeless, they're aware, they're scared, but desperately in need of support. As we shelter in place, the homeless cannot, for obvious reasons. So I drove around downtown, um, mostly desolate, except for those who are walking around aimlessly with no place to go. Despite this, the charity is doing their best to combat the spread of the virus. They adhere to safe social distance practices. But as you can imagine, in certain situations, it's damn near impossible. So what can we do to help? First, we can check our privilege at the door. It's so easy to blame those who are homeless for the situation they're in. Yes, for some, it's no one's fault but their own. However, just because it's not our fault that they're without a job, education, food, shelter, doesn't mean we can't take responsibility for it. Listen, whether you you care about them or not, we as a community owe it to ourselves to protect those who cannot protect themselves from themselves. Please donate to your local charities food and money only. Uh, Shelters don't have the capacity to inventory furniture, clothing at this point in the pandemic. So at the very least, this will ensure that those who are in need of these services stay close to the charity of choice, lessening the spread of the virus. We are a caring society. The last few weeks has proven this time and time again. So if you're not doing so already, please extend this care to those who have much less privilege. Let's get back to Tyler. COVID-19 coronavirus, whether you care about homeless people or not, whether you think they're annoying, whether you wish they would just go away or go to another city, the fact of the matter is they're here and we we have an epidemic going on at the moment, which is why we're having this podcast in my house, not a studio with uh, someone eating cereal in the background, that there's a, there's a real issue we could have if within that population this pandemic spreads throughout they don't have access to immediate health care, shelter, medicine, uh, and, uh, they're roaming the streets amongst us touching handles and, and doorways, uh, coughing on people and things. I mean, I, just as anybody else would, they're just more prevalently out there in the streets. They don't have a place to go to be away from 10 or more people, and quarantine themselves to protect others yeah
1: well i mean we we talked about being overwhelmed by such a massive and complex issue and that's just this is just another facet of it it's like what do you do and it's you know from my standpoint you know and our team being a a group of people who want to make a difference and help out it's like wow you feel really helpless in a time like this like what can you do for the most at-risk population that is also the population with kind of the least resources to actually do something about it and protect themselves and be proactive and i don't know what the answer is but you know the first thing that comes to my mind is doing exactly what we talked about earlier which is humanizing people and making people feel loved and cared about and, and that's an incredible thing to do right there, and at times like this, that's
0: you know maybe the best thing you can do. Let me just say that Hope Fest 2020 was just postponed. This is when you get together and you have 500 volunteers. It's a yeah. it's a major major production, right? You can do it because of this. So talk about helpless. Yeah. like they, now they're that's one less resource that they're afforded through exactly then and, and you're just a tiny facet of yeah. all the other resources that they have
1: exactly and it was it was the hardest decision to make this is the time when people need everything that we're offering most from groceries to clothes to hygiene supplies so like you said dental care and we had planned to do vision screenings and hearing screenings this is the time when people want to stock up on things and get their health and services personally taken care of before you know our entire higher healthcare system is overwhelmed and yeah. it was the hardest decision to make. But you know what? We thought it was the best one. And of course, you know, uh,
0: yeah. I mean, yeah. no brainer. Yeah. Right. I mean, right. I don't think the governor would even allow this to go on anyway. <laughs> <No way>. So, <laughs> but, but say worse comes to worse, worst case scenario, hospitals are overrun. Just like in Italy, there's had to been difficult choices made on who you're going to treat, who yeah. you're not going to what the hell do you think is going to happen (laughs) if we've got middle to upper class coming in, needing healthcare and you've got the homeless population as well, coming in, needing healthcare. What do you think is it going to be a hard choice for people or not?
1: (sighs) The worst situation to find yourself in. (laughs) I'm
0: sure they've thought of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I want to remind everybody that a portion of each YRF hat sold goes to assisting students who do not have the resources to pay for a college and career consultant. And thank you to those who already have supported and are repping the hat. You look great. I want to start hashtag your real frequency with a pick of you and your gear showing your support for our youth. Thank you again, everybody.
1: always special we have there was this one time when we give away the bikes kind of like you saw in the video oh, that's and, awesome um long story short like there was this one kid in the audience who was really wanting this bike and in the end the like kid next to him won it you know, we just draw tickets so then the kid who won it and his dad like came up and took the bike and gave it to this other oh kid wow from everyone i have that pictures on my desk it's stuff like that uh, so those have been you know that's things to remember
0: no, that's a, that's awesome. Generosity within that community exactly. is, is pretty big. Yeah. We talk yeah. about um, tribal senses. Mm. As you've heard uh, yeah. some of my old stuff on, on prior podcast. I think it was mm. a 60 Minutes piece. Yes. Remember seeing that, that just about, recently, yeah, right? Yeah. Of course, the rising yeah. cost of living in Seattle is mm. pushing people that are making a moderate income, <laughs> even those with a substantial <laughs> income, uh, within poverty level and some... And there's that mail lady who lived out of her van for God's sakes, and she was working for the U.S. Postal Service. Is it was crazy? Yeah. <laughs> wow. But the the one overarching message there is that there was a community of them and there's the tent cities that you see, of course, yeah. and they have to pick up yeah. and move every three months or what yeah. I forget. Is it three weeks or three months? I think it's three months. Three months. Yeah. yeah. And they help each other within there and there's rules and there's a gov- government per yeah. se. Right. Yeah. And they, they, they really band together and they, because they all have one thing in common, which is that they don't have shelter. They're all walks of life. A lot of military. Do you see a lot of military come through?
1: Definitely, a, yeah, definitely a portion of...
0: PTSD and, of course, drug abuse. All types of of mental instability, of course. But they all understand each other and they accept everyone for who they are. Hmm. And um, and they, they live. They live through some horrible, harsh winters in Seattle. It's not a fun place to be. And the only way they do that is because they're one with each other. Yeah. Right, right? Absolutely, Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't think that that encourages them to stay within that realm. Some people do. Some people think, oh, if they you know got figure out food, um, they've got someone out there to go and bring back donations, and then someone to cook it, and everyone has their own job and keep clean and no crime. This is not a bad place, considering where they could be, which is under a bridge by themselves, dead. But I I think giving them the choice between a successful career or uh, viable means for them to make their own way they'd probably most likely choose that as opposed yeah. to living within a community in ten city yeah. many believe in adverse childhood experiences come into play when it comes to homelessness a lot of it has to happen before homelessness happens crime money deficits due to to sickness where does that come from before that it comes from their instability as children within families and that's domestic violence substance abuse mental illness parental separation divorce uh, incarcerated parents and, and then it becomes cyclical talk about some of the services that you offer that combat some of that
1: a few of the things we do we like I mentioned earlier we provide what we call our connection center so we bring in um 10 to 15 local organizations and agencies and nonprofits who support people who have some of those experiences that are or things that they're currently suffering with and whether it's, you know, drug abuse or domestic violence. We have agencies and people there who can connect with them and really give them the resources to work after our event year round to make yeah. a difference. You know, we're not the experts on that. I'm certainly not. So sure. Sure. Providing yeah. them with those connections is, you know, there's so many great resources in the community and it's about, we have all the people there. We have the agencies. It's just about making that connection.
0: Yeah. And that's part of it, right? Not really digging down to the, to the core of each one person, but at least having those services available so they can figure it out. Many of these people probably don't understand why they are where they are. Maybe they don't take responsibility and, I do this thing on taking responsibility for your actions and we're responsible for everything that happens to us and everything we do. <laughs> Obviously we're responsible for everything we do because, um, that's an easy one, but being responsible for everything that happens to us is a real hard one. Mm. So m- many people believe that those who are homeless aren't taking responsibility f- for anything, oh. whether it being, a productive member of society and stopping crime or stopping drug use. It's a matter of really how you've dealt with these experiences that you've had in your past life. Just as you said, moving forward in our lives, everything's about experience. If you hadn't had this experience with these homeless people within your high school career, you wouldn't be in college. You wouldn't have started this nonprofit, right? Mm -hmm. If um, this, homeless person that prior had lived at a home with a, a, a sex abuser or a drug abuser um, or a single family low income um, they probably wouldn't be in the place they are today as a homeless person yeah. so intervening and getting a better idea of where this is all stemming from is critical and again i think that harkens back to the youth mm not that the adults are too far gone and we can't help them by any means but at the same time like uh, like this is a long term problem and a short term answer is not going to solve it mm. but the things you're doing bro are absolutely incredible um oh, thank you yeah we'll thank post you. the hope fest video dude <laughs> <laughs> thanks <laughs> absolutely tell me real quick your major business
1: um with a concentration in marketing and international business great
0: yeah, don't feel bad about making lots of money. <laughs> that could be like, oh God, you're I don't right. want to get in the corporate yeah. world and make millions yeah. of dollars. I should be bootstrapping yeah. it on the streets of Seattle, helping homeless people. Bro, you do you can do that too, this but you can you also make a lot right. of money right. as well. Right. And I know I know you're going to be incredibly oh, wildly you. successful. Thank brother. you so much.
1: Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm we'll sure. <laughs> I'm sure we'll be following you closely, buddy. Thank
0: you so much. Heather. Thanks for coming on. Tyler, appreciate it. Thank you. Tyler, what a beast! I mean, you're completely incredible, man. I'm envious of your position in life. You have so much to give, even when you've already given so much. This whole thing serves as a great reminder to me to treat everyone with dignity, regardless of what it looks like they're dealing with. We see homeless begging on the street, we pass them on our walks downtown, we look the other way if they approach us, but if we really look deeper, like deep into their eyes, I think we'd see fear, desperation, and the need to belong. This is and has been an ongoing issue since the beginning of civilization, so it won't completely be solved or ever eradicated, but through the likes of Tyler's work, we can at least connect on a deeper level with them and gain a greater understanding of their situation. That awareness in and of itself will do wonders for the cause. Who knows where it would go from there. Thank you everybody for listening and please be safe.